And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West in the most haunted city in the country. June 27th is the date. 178th day of the year. 187 days remain until the year is over with. One thing I might want to make mention of, <clears throat> in El Paso, you get paid to fail. Fired city manager's getting $900,000 if he'll just go away. That's a heck of a severance package. When he hasn't been there all that long, no more than a few years. Alrighty. This is National Bingo Day. National Sunglasses Day. At Warre, um, the Tharu people uh, celebrate the Adwari Festival to promote love and unity. Day of Arafah. Pilgrimage is a pillar of Islam, so the Day of Arafah. Excuse me. It holds a lot of weight for uh, Muslims. In Tajikistan, it's the Day of National Unity. And the Day of Turkmen Workers of Culture and Art. The Sign to be Married Day. The Djibouti Independence Day. <laughs> Excuse me. Helen Keller Day. Celebrate the life and achievements of Helen Keller. Micro-small and medium-sized enterprises day. National HIV testing day. Well, I can't stop sneezing. National ice cream cake day. National gym day. Recognize and give thanks to all the gems that you know. National Onion Day, National Orange Blossom Day, National PTSD Awareness Day. You need to be aware if you have PTSD. <coughs> National Women's Fly Fishing Day, and Tajikistan Unity Day. Alrighty. <coughs> well, <coughs> in thirteen fifty eight. A.D. Republic of Ragusa is founded. 1497. Corn <coughs> Cornish rebels. Michael and Golf and Thomas uh, Flamanck are executed at Tyburn in London, England. All right, let's try it again. 1499. Miracle Vespucia on a Spanish finance trip cites the. Coast south of Cape to Casapore. 1556, the 13 Stratford murders are burned at the stake near London for their Protestant beliefs. <coughs> you don't believe as we tell you to? We're going to burn you. 1743, in the Battle of Dettingen, George II becomes the last reigning British monarch to participate in a battle. 1760, Anglo Cherokee War. Cherokee Wars defeat British forces at the Battle of uh, Echoe near present-day uh, Otto in North Carolina. 
1806, British forces take Buenos Aires during the first of the British invasions of the River Plate. 1844, Joseph Smith founded the Latter-day Saint movement and his brother Hiram Smith are killed by a mob at the Carthage, Illinois jail. Believe as we tell you to believe or die. 1864, American Civil War. Confederate forces defeat Union forces during the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain during the Atlanta Campaign. 1895, the inaugural run of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad's Royal Blue from Washington, D.C. to New York City uh, took place on this date. It was the first U.S. passenger train to use an electric locomotive. I'd like to see the extension cord for that one. 1898, first solo circumnavigation of the globe is completed by Joshua Slocum from Briar Island in Nova Scotia. 1905, during the Russo-Japanese War, sailors start a mutiny on board the Russian battleship Potemkin. 1914, Illinois Monument is dedicated at uh, Chelem Hill. It was now the Kennesaw Mountain National Battlefield Park. 1927, Prime Minister of Japan, Tanaka Gichi, convenes an 11-day conference to discuss Japan's strategy in China. The Tanaka Memorial, a forged plan for world domination, is later claimed to be a secret report leaked from the conference. 1928, the Rovaniemi Township Decree was promulgated as a result of which Romagini has succeeded from the Old rural municipality is its own market town, January 1st, 1929. <clears throat> 1941, Romanian authorities launched one of the most violent pogroms of Jewish history in the city of Yasi, resulting in the murder of at least 13,266 members of the Jewish faith. Killing people over their religion, whether you agree with them or not, is kind of the the height of stupidity. In 1941, World War II, German troops captured the city of Bialystok during Operation Barbarossa. That was a German invasion of Russia. 1944, and a lot of uh, peasants tried to join the German troops and were treated as dirt. I mean, they could have taken Russia with a little bit of uh, intelligence. 1944, World War II. Mogong is the first place in Burma to be liberated but from the Japanese by the British Chindits, supported by the Chinese. In 1946, in the Canadian Citizenship Act, the Parliament of Canada establishes a definition of Canadian citizenship. 1950, U.S. decides to send troops to fight in the Korean War. 1954, the Obninsk nuclear power plant, the Soviet Union's first nuclear power station, opens in Obinsk, which is near Moscow. 1954, the FIFA World Cup quarterfinal match between Hungary and Brazil, anticipated to be exciting, turns violent. Three players are ejected, and further fighting continues even after the game is over with. 1957, Hurricane Audrey makes landfall near the Texas-Louisiana border. Kills over 400, mainly in and around Cameron, Louisiana. 1973, uh, the president of Uruguay, 
Juan Maria Bordaberry dissolves Parliament and establishes a dictatorship. I think ours would do that if he thought he could get away with it. Uh, 1974, President Nixon visits the Soviet Union. 1976, Air France Flight 139 that's Tel Aviv to Athens to Paris is hijacked en route to Paris by the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine and redirected to Entebbe in Uganda. But Dr. Idiumin Dada met the flight. 1977, France grants independence to Djibouti. 1980, the Ustika Massacre. Uh, Italia Flight 870 crashes into sea while en route from Bologna to Palermo, Italy, killing all 81 people on board. 1981, the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party issues its resolution on certain questions in the history of our party since the founding of the People's Republic of China. Laid the blame for the Cultural Revolution squarely on Mao Zedong. 1982, Space Shuttle Columbia launched from the Kennedy Space Center on a final research and development flight mission known as STS-4. 1988, the Gare de Lyon rail incident in Paris, France, kills 56 people. 1988, also saw the Villa massacre. Bolivian anti-narcotics police kill 9 to 12 and injure over 100 protesting uh, cocoa-growing peasants. <laughs> 1991. Two days after it declared independence, Slovenia is invaded by Yugoslav troops, tanks, and aircraft, starting the 10-day war. 1994, members of the Ayum Shirinko cult released sarin gas in uh, Matsumoto, Japan. Seven people were killed and 660 are injured. 2007, Tony Blair resigns as British Prime Minister, a position he'd held since 1997. His chancellor, Gordon Brown, succeeds him. Also in 2007, Brazilian military police invades the favelas of Complexo de Almeida in an episode that's remembered as the Complexo de Almeida massacre. 2008, in a highly scrutinized election, President Zimbabwe Robert Mugabe is re-elected in a landslide after his opponent, Morgan Srangiri, had withdrawn a week earlier, citing violence against his party supporters. 2013, NASA launched the Interface Region Imaging Spectrograph, a space probe to observe the sun. All you had to do is look up. 2014, at least 14 people are killed when a gas authority of India limited pipeline explodes in the East Godavari district of Andhra Pradesh, India. 2015, Formosa Fun Coast Fire, a dust fire, occurs at a recreational water park in Taiwan. Killed 15 and injured 497 others. 199 of those were injured critically. <clears throat> 2017, a series of powerful cyber attacks using the Petyam malware target websites and Ukrainian organizations and counterparts within the Ukrainian connections around the globe. Clearly, somebody had it in for the Ukrainians. Well, we're going to do one more segment of the Kennedy hit list. This is segment um, I think it is segment seven, but we shall see. Well, <clears throat> we're talking about the uh, mysterious deaths of six top FBI officials linked to the Kennedy assassination. 
now. There was a special report entitled The Death of Crazy Billy Sullivan. And that study determined, upon close examination, the substance of the case for it being an accident was completely unsubstantiated. You know, the first thing, whenever anybody died, even before the evidence is looked at, routinely they were immediately declared uh, accidents. Sometimes determined cases of suicide. Now, the official version of the accident rests on two conclusions. Uh, the shooter's view of Sullivan was obscured and fleeting, and Sullivan's clothing, in a sense, made him look like a deer. Those are the very basics of the case. But on close examination, neither one of those uh, really had any validity. All right, we're going to try it one more time. Now, the incident occurred right after daybreak. So there was sufficient light and it was, nobody was drinking, so alcohol wasn't a factor. Um, according to Mr. Daniels, who was the shooter, during the year before the accident, I saw maybe 15 or 20 deer. I didn't shoot any of them because I didn't think it was the right shooting time. Now, I look at myself as a sportsman, not a person that goes out to kill as many deer as he can. Of course, it's open season on FBI agents. The larger point, as was observed by others, is that hunters know what they know. And they don't forget it under normal circumstances. They learn caution. <coughs> and they learn to remain cautious. In fact, that was the first fatal hunting accident in that area in over 20 years. Um, one local resident said, I'm suspicious about that hunting accident. That is because Sullivan was involved, but the shooter knew how to hunt. And I don't care what they say, he knew how to hunt. Now, add to all that the fact that Sullivan, who's been described as a very intelligent man, specifically and precisely predicted his own death. And it wasn't a vague reference or some general statement that anybody might have made. He specifically stated to a friend he'd be murdered, be made to look like an accident, so don't believe it. <coughs> I don't know why I'm coughing and sneezing. Well, generally that's the story of the death of William Sullivan. But not a great deal is known about the specific circumstances of the deaths of the other five senior FBI agents. But if even one of those deaths turns out to be suspicious, then they all should be classified as suspicious. It's mathematically impossible for six senior FBI agents to die naturally in one six-month period, precisely at the time they're being scheduled to give testimony about what they knew about the Kennedy assassination to a congressional committee. Well, turning our attention from six deceased FBI agents, let's talk about Richard Kane. Died December 20th, 1973. He was a high-ranking Chicago police official 
don't want to be connected with uh, Chicago Mob. Work directly with uh, Sam Giancana. Cause of death was a gunshot. Uh, actually, a blast from a sawed-off shotgun. Under the chin, no less. <coughs> Good Lord. He was considered a gangland murder. Now, he reportedly played a role in the Kennedy assassination, and that information came out of the Giancana family. And he was involved in covert anti-Castro operations. He was actually a member of the, even though he was a high-level police official in Chicago, he was actually a member of the Chicago outfit. He reported directly to Sam Giancana, who was known as the man in Chicago. He was killed execution style in a Chicago delicatessen on the afternoon of December 20th, 1973. Two individuals entered Rose's Sandwich Shop on uh, Chicago's west side, lined up the customers' employees with their faces to the wall, told Kane to turn around and fired a sawed-off shotgun directly into his head at Point Blank Range. So the chances it was an accident, no, couldn't be. And Kane had a number of links directly to the Kennedy assassination. And they were through Fabian Escalante. At the time of the assassination, he was head of the counterintelligence for the Cuban intelligence, formerly known as the Cuban Department of State Security. Then became director of the Cuban Security Studies Center and conducted an extensive reexamination of the Kennedy assassination, utilized a wealth of sources and materials retained by Cuban intelligence. The Giancana family in Chicago claimed in print that Richard Kane was actually one of the shooters in Dallas. Um, another author examined in detail the informant's reports to Cuban intelligence, which linked Kane to the assassination. And Professor Peter Dale Scott implicated Kane and Johnny Rosselli, also a member of the Chicago outfit, to the assassination through their anti-Cuban activities and further stated they both later professed knowledge about the assassination. Now, Kane was, by anybody's estimation, a dirty cop, and he was exceedingly good at it. Made it all the way up to chief investigator for the Cook County Sheriff's Department which covered Chicago. He was on the payroll of Sam the Man Giancana, leader of the Chicago mob. The leader of the very people Kane was supposed to be uh, investigating. Kane was so good at his job, he became a made member of the Chicago outfit, untouchable member of the strongest crime family in the country. Um... If you remember the book The Godfather by Mario Puzo, Kane was actually the model used for the character of Frank uh, Neri, the uh, mafia contract killer with a police badge. Giancana family implicated Kane as one of the shooters of Kennedy and many links between Kane and efforts to assassinate Castro on behalf of the CIA. There was a book called The Tangled Well that was written by Kane's brother. Um, it offers a rare inside glimpse of the world of the mob. Now, if you look at the evidence in regard to uh, 
Kane's murder. Has all the signs of a classic mafia hit. And Kane apparently did have sensitive knowledge it was highly pertinent to the JFK assassination. He was also an informant to the FBI, which shows you can't trust anybody. The hit appears to be unrelated to the Kennedy cover-up. It was apparently a result of Kane's efforts to take over the gambling operation on the south side of Chicago. In fact, there were rumors he wanted to take over the whole Chicago crime family. Internal mob disagreements over a robbery and his inability to come to terms with old-school Chicago mobster uh, Marshall Caifano uh, uh, also played a part. Kane's brother also obtained reliable eyewitness testimony that Richard Kane was in Chicago on November 22, 1963. The fact that Kane was a regular informant to the FBI didn't appear to be the reason for his murder because the mob apparently didn't learn about that until after his death. Murder was apparently the result of an internal decision by mafia leadership. Now, Kane was a made member of the mob and couldn't be murdered by renegade action of mobsters like Jimmy Hoffa had to be sanctioned from the top. Um, Chicago mobster Marshall uh, Caifano appears to have set up the, the hit on Kane. He also set up the meet at Rose's Delicatessen. That was one of his regular hangouts to discuss the matter of their business problems. So it's uh, certainly something to keep in mind. Now, the next member of the Kennedy hit list was uh, Sam the Man Giancana, June 19, 1975. Now, he was a nationally powerful mobster, headquartered in Chicago, had business interests in Nevada, Miami Beach, Hollywood, and Latin America. He died of multiple gunshot wounds to the head. Official verdict, mob retaliation killing. Now, his murder was actually linked to the fact he was being forced to testify. Um, about the Kennedy assassination of the Congressional Committee. And those with exposure in the, the assassination plot couldn't allow that testimony to take place. And there was no way to get him out of it. Just the best course of action was just to kill him. Even the most notorious hitman in the country, Chert Nicoletti, differentiated from an ordinary hit in the contract from the man himself. The first ordinary hit was negotiable. But if it came from the man, Sam Giancana, it was chiseled in stone. Now, it wasn't just researchers that noted the important timing of Giancana's murder. Congress itself did. Sounds like extremely irrelevant that due to a change in the law, which was basically a, a trick forcing mobsters to testify by granting them immunity when they refused to incriminate themselves. Eliminating the potential for self-incrimination and uh, eliminating any right to not answer questions would have required Giancana to testify. Now, Congress enacted the change in that law in 1970. So mobsters were forced to testify by granting them immunity from prosecution when they attempted to take the fifth. Um, 
that is refused to answer on the grounds that uh, the answer may tend to incriminate him, which is a protection granted by the Fifth Amendment. Granting him immunity compelled him to testify since they were no longer subjecting themselves to um, possible incrimination. So Jim Connor couldn't have used taking a fifth to avoid questions as uh, mobsters had done up to that point. He'd have been compelled to answer all questions put to him or be guilty of contempt. Now, the timing of the church committee was crucial, as was the fact that the laws regarding testimony had changed so that you couldn't take the fifth anymore. In other words, one could either assert one's Fifth Amendment rights or have immunity, but not both. If he was given immunity, he'd be compelled to testify. So his assassination occurred after the CIA discovered he'd be accepting immunity to talk to the church committee. The information gained by the church committee on CIA activities led to the 1976 House Committee on Assassinations, which then drew important conclusions about Carlos Marcello. Senate committee, chaired by Frank Church, was the first to reveal the dirty secrets of the CIA and the mafia plot to murder Castro. Kennedy had clearly ordered the CIA to kill Castro, or, and he and his brother had given their approval to a plot called the uh, A.M. Lash Plan. That was done in 1963. According to a 1988 television interview with Judith Campbell, the president was clearly aware of the CIA mafia uh, plot, and the church committee found that the plot had... Uh, Never been reported by the FBI, CIA, or Robert Kennedy himself to the Warren Commission. And at that point, the same committee discovered the affairs between Campbell and John Kennedy, between Campbell and Sam Giancana. These discoveries led to a subcommittee study of the relationship of the FBI and the CIA to the Kennedy assassination, and that resulted in the collapse of the public's faith in the Warren Report which never existed in the beginning. Senators uh, Swiker and Gary Hart reportedly found the FBI and the CIA misled the Warren Commission to prevent the truth about the assassination from coming to light. Well, it's been widely reported that help from the Chicago mob in general, and Giancana in particular, were recruited by Joseph Kennedy and that help was responsible for delivering the very close presidential election to Kennedy in 1960. Many historians believe that ballot stuffing in Chicago, which was under the control of old-school Democrat Mayor Richard Bailey, helped ensure Kennedy's election in 1960. Giancana himself claimed that he had helped run a vote-stealing scam in Cook County, Illinois, a district that uh, had been the deciding factor in Kennedy's victory. On the other hand, there are also persistent rumors of mafia involvement in Kennedy's 1963 assassination which were said to be revenge for what they saw as the ingratitude of the Kennedys in the form of Robert Kennedy's crusade against organized crime. According to that theory, Giancana and the Mafia were double-crossed by the Kennedy administration's war on organized crime. And when Giancana was called to testify before a U.S. Senate committee investigating Mafia involvement in the CIA plot to assassinate Castro, he was very upset. Before he was scheduled to testify, he flew to Houston, Texas, under a gallbladder surgery. Turned to his Oak Park home June 17, 1975. Two days later, he was shot once in the back of the head and several more times up through the chin with a 22 caliber pistol while cooking in his basement. 
You know, theories abounded as to who might have killed him. CIA operatives uh, nervous about his future testimony. Maybe it was rival C, uh, mafiosa, one of his many former girlfriends. Well, whoever it might have been, nobody was ever arrested for the murder. Antoinette uh, Giancana believes uh, John Kennedy's double-crossed her father by not giving him the protection needed after Kennedy's uh, election in 1960. It was her strong belief that the mob helped to kill Kennedy and the CIA killed her father to cover it up. Well, Giancana was directly connected to Jack Ruby, who was originally from Chicago. It said to provided a link between the New Orleans mob under Carlos Marcello and who hated the Kennedys because of prior attacks by Bobby Kennedy. The Dallas Assets, who would come into play in 63, and Traficante with his J.M. Wave CIA station in Florida that was base for its anti-Castro operations. Jen Connor, who after manipulating uh, the Illinois ballot boxes during the 60 election, swung Kennedy's victory over to Nixon. Over Nixon. Now that Bobby Kennedy was attacking the mafia, even though J. Edgar Hoover insisted there was no mafia, Jim Connor felt betrayed, as did a lot of other of the mafiosa. Well, congressional investigators knew Jim Connor was linked to the Kennedy assassination and ordered him to testify. June 19, 1975, shortly before the testimony would have taken place, as I said, he was killed in his basement kitchen. He was frying sausages at the time. In addition to a massive wound at the back of the head, he was shot six times in a circle around the mouth. That's been interpreted as a very obvious uh, message that if you talk, you get the same treatment. The strange part of the case was that even the police say it didn't look like a mafia hit. Few mob bosses more careful than Sam Giancana, as many have noted he never would have opened his door and let his killer in unless it was somebody he knew and trusted. And his home was also under surveillance. In fact, in 1963, Robert Kennedy had ordered Giancana's home in Oak Park to be placed under 24 hour surveillance. And the Oak Park Enclave was referred to as an impenetrable fortress. Well, that was while cooking in the kitchen of a Chicago home that was this so-called uh, fortress that he was killed. According to both his daughter and the police, who stated that Jen Connell was invulnerable in his own home due to the security systems and the impregnability of the structure, only somebody he knew or trusted would have gotten to him. He'd have had to let him in, gone back to cooking, and been surprised when the assailant or assailants pulled twenty-two caliber pistols. Others associated with Giancana's anti-Castro efforts and concert with the CIA also began to die convenient deaths. Johnny Rosselli, Chuck Nicoletti were the closest to. Both were notorious hitmen. Rosselli was the next to die, actually. He met with Swiker and other committee members in the Carol Arms Hotel in Washington, D.C. He indicated he had good reason to believe that Cuban associates of Castro and Traficante uh, were involved in the Kennedy assassination. He would testify to these facts. Ten days after dinner with Santo Traficante, he was murdered, presumably on a yacht belonging to a Traficante associate. Body was cut up and he was dumped into the ocean in an oil drum. 
Giancana's close associate, Chuck Nicoletti, was murdered in 1977, immediately after the House Select Committee determined he'd be called to testify. George Morenshield, uh, advisor to the CIA and the, and the mob and a friend of Oswald, had also been scheduled to testify in 77, but he died the day he was to be questioned regarding the murder of John F. Kennedy. Well, the incredible timeliness of the deaths wasn't lost on the Congress. As dense as they might be, some things they can't overlook. The sudden death of Jim Connor and Rosselli and the alleged heart attack of the CIA's William Harvey, the official in charge of the CIA mafia plot against Castro, helped to stimulate the formulation of a committee to investigate the Kennedy assassination. The House Select Committee on Assassinations was put together in September of 76 to investigate in the John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King assassinations. The committee's final report indicated Carlos Marcello had probable complicity above all others. Well, if you look at the dates laid out in the timeline, you might get a better grip on what was going on. April 7, 1975, Nelson Rockefeller chairs hearings on the CA's involvement in assassinations. June 9, 1975, the Church Committee takes testimony on the CIA's use of the Mafia for assass uh, assistance in assassination. June 19, 1975, the CIA plot to assassinate uh, Fidel Castro was made public in both the Chicago Tribune and New York Times. On that same date, members of the Senate's Church Committee arrived in Chicago for the purpose of escorting Sam Giancana to Washington for his appearance before the committee. Also on that date, two law enforcement officers observed outside Sam Giancana's home by his neighbors in Oak Park. Three surveillance cars reportedly leave the area of Sam Giancana's home. Now, the two law enforcement officers were seen at 9. The three surveillance cars leave the area of his home at 11.15. At 11.30, he's murdered inside his home on that same date. June 20th, the Chicago Tribune reports the murder of Jen Connor. Allegations are made the murder was sanctioned by the CIA. On June the 21st, Chicago Tribune reports that Jen Connor's house was under surveillance on the night he was killed. On the 24th of June, Johnny Rosselli testifies to the church committee. It's also the, also the day that Sam Giancana had been scheduled to testify. June 30th, Jimmy Hoffa vanishes. Several sources indicate Hoffa had been involved in national mob bosses uh, Carlos Mocello and Santo Traficante in the plot to assassinate uh, John Kennedy. 1976, information obtained by the church committee leads to an expansion of the investigation. The House Select Committee on Assassinations formed and authorized to fully investigate the new leads in the assassination. July 27, 1976, Johnny is warned to leave Miami. June 28th, he's murdered. Winter 1976 through the spring of 1977, House Select Committee on Assassinations continues its investigation. Two of the witnesses the committee determines will be called to testify are Giancana Associate Chuck Nicoletti and George DeMorenshield. March 29th, 1977, Chuck Nicoletti is murdered. A world-class hitman is murdered. George DeMorenshield reportedly commits suicide on the exact same day, which is also the day he was scheduled to give testimony. But if you look at the details of the uh, Morenshield's death, 
It's clearly murder. Well, it makes you wonder exactly who's working for who. When the committee announces who it's going to call to testify, that basically puts a target on them. Well, whatever Sam Giancana knew about the Cuban operations, the assassination attempts against Castro, and the assassination of Kennedy, he took it to the grave. Well, as disbelief mounted in the American people regarding the lone gunman prognosis of the Warren Commission, and the Senate's Intelligence Committee is going to question him thoroughly, Giancana is murdered. Clearly, the Warren Commission was a whitewash. From the crime scene, it appears that Jen kind of turned his back on the gunman. At that point, the assassin produced his pistol, shot him in the back of the head, and uh, rolled him over, reloaded, and shot several bullets around his mouth. The modus operandi matched that of a standard mafia hit, and the message sent by the mouth shots was clear. Jen kind had said too much. He'd never talk again, especially to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Murder weapon, a silenced uh, Duramatic semi-automatic 22 pistol, was later found snagged in the brush on a bank of the De, uh, De Plains River. The last recorded sale of that gun was traced to a Miami gun dealer in 1965. Well, all the other organized crime witnesses took note of Giancana's fate and refused to testify under any circumstances. If the man himself could be killed, so could anybody else. Now let's talk about Johnny Rosselli in some more detail. He died on August of 1976. He was the mafia liaison to the CIA and the CIA's efforts to recruit mobsters to assassinate Fidel Castro. He was garroted, strangled with a wire from behind, stabbed, shot, legs sewn off, stuffed into an oil drum, and sunk in the ocean. Official verdict, mafia retaliation killing. He was scheduled to testify before Congress. And it was said he was silenced to preclude that testimony. Well, he began his criminal career with Al Capone, sent to Hollywood by Capone in 24 to develop gambling, extortion, and vice raggets for the Chicago mob. Became a close associate of leading mafia members of his era, including Meyer Lansky, Sam Giancana, and Santo Traficante. His charming demeanor and Hollywood-style looks usually accompanied with sunglasses, got him nicknamed Handsome Johnny. And that combined with his love of the sun and boating made him a natural for what he smoothly dovetailed into. He was a Chicago man in Las Vegas, Hollywood, Miami Beach. Acted as a Chicago mob's liaison for lucrative business interests in those locations. He was involved in the multi-million dollar extortion of movie studios and oversaw the extremely lucrative skimming operations on the Las Vegas Strip. He took millions in cash from the daily take of the big casinos and kept it off the books for accounting and would-be tax reporting. That ensured the Chicago mob got its fair share of the skim. And in the world of the mob, those are big responsibilities. Uh, he was also connected to Howard Hughes. Hughes was one of the richest, most influential people in the world at the time. Shared mutual interest with the mob and the CIA of eliminating Castro by any means available. Now, Johnny Rosselli served as a hinge pin between the Hughes organization through Robert Mayhew and 
Three mafia families of Giancana, Marcello, and Traficanti, and the CIA. Rosselli, who provided the main mafia action connection to hitmen, money laundering, and weapons. It was in 1961, CIA approached Rosselli to enlist help from the mafia in assassinating Castro. Rosselli turned to his friend Sam Giancana of Chicago to get the help of Traficanti of Florida because it was Traficanti's Cuban connections that would be a valuable resource to the enterprise. March 12, 1961, William Harvey, the CIA's Executive Action Assassination Program, arranged for CIA operative Jim O'Connell to meet Sam Giancana, Sano Traficanti, Johnny Rosselli, and Robert Mayhew. That was uh, Howard Hughes' go-between for the CIA and the Mafia. To meet at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach. During that meeting, O'Connell gave poison pills and $10,000 to Rosselli to be used against Fidel Castro. Well, the plan failed, but its ultimate purpose succeeded because the alliance between the mob and the CIA was what ultimately made the cover-up following the Kennedy assassination a guaranteed event. Late one evening, probably March 13th, Rosselli passed the poison pills and the money to a small Afro-Cuban by the name of Rafael Macho Ganner in the Boom Boom Room and location that Giancana thought to be stupid. Rizzelli's purpose, though, was not just to assassinate Castro, but to set up the Mafia's partner in crime, the U.S. government. Accordingly, he was laying a long, bright trail of evidence that unmistakably implicated the CIA in the Castro plot. Now, this evidence, whose purpose was blackmail, would prove critical in the CIA's cover-up of the Kennedy assassination. 1976, the House Select Committee on Intelligence Activities were interested in taking testimony from Rosselli. In late July of 76, Rosselli made a dinner date. It was with his old friend Santo Traficanti at the Landings, a restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. Two days after that dinner with Santo Traficanti, Rosselli vanished. Very gruesome case of overkill, it turns out, but it was intended to send a message. His dismembered body was found floating in a 55-gallon oil drum off the coast of Florida. He had been garroted. His legs had been sawed off and squashed into the drum with the rest of his body. Well, that's the thing about working for the mob. They have good benefits for a few years, but eventually the retirement plan stinks. Buried him in the classic style. His body was sealed in an empty 55-gallon oil drum. Chains were coiled around the container and holes were punched in the sides. Then the drum was dumped in the water off Florida. Might have stayed on the bottom indefinitely, except that the gases caused by the decomposing body gave the drum some buoyancy and it floated to the surface. Well, Time Magazine had an interesting title to a story, Deep Six for Johnny. But the manner of his death fed a mafia pattern. His beguiled to his death by somebody he trusted. Another reason Traficanti may have been a suspect was because of the point that of uh, the three Nationally prominent mobsters known to be working directly with the CIA on eliminating Castro, only Traficanti was left. Giancana and Rosselli were both murdered before their scheduled testimony before the, uh, Congress. One fact that was indisputable, Traficanti was the only survivor of the three mobsters recruited to kill Castro. Covert operations veteran Tosh Pumley was very active in such matters. He even flew Rosselli and Chuck Nicoletti to certain locations on company business. In fact, Rosselli was so active in the intelligence ops, many operatives thought he actually was in military intelligence. 
even had a code name for military intel ops, Colonel Ralston. So commonly known that some officers simply referred to him as the Colonel. Plumley agrees Rosselli was killed to keep him from testifying about what he knew about the mafia's involvement in the Anacastro operations of U.S. intelligence, and it led directly to the Kennedy assassination. When Plumley was asked, why do you think Johnny Rosselli was killed? He said, mainly because he was getting ready to testify, and we have to understand the Kennedy assassination is one of many, many black op operations that were going on in that particular time, and Rosselli was up to his neck in making liaison with the members of organized crime for elements within the CIA and military intelligence. Well, although it was acknowledged that intel was intentionally compartmentalized and probably wasn't privy to where the intel on the Kennedy attempt was, uh, assassination attempt was picked up, uh, he was, was aware of the talk and the rumors circulating among his fellow operatives, which is kind of a raw intelligence gathering, I guess you could say. That intel was quite clear and that generally conform, uh, conformed to the source of the Kennedy targeting for assassination as being the, the Texas Mafia and the anti-Castro Cubans. They felt betrayed. In the early stages of the Kennedy assassination, there were many, many, many reports that Kennedy was going to be hit and many, many reports that Kennedy was going to be hit by organized crime, so it was all investigated. Um, the theory was even though many say Lyndon I want to be King Johnson was directly involved there were enough rogues in the CIA and within the military intelligence and the mafia uh, and the security council that this could have been a clearly off the books operation to kill Kennedy and the source of the hit on Kennedy was apparently the mafia's connections to the CIA attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro. There was a lot of rumors circulating around military intelligence and the CIA. A lot of talk it was the Texas mafia was going to do the job. Of course, there was a lot of talk about the Cubans being involved. And Rosselli knew so much about the assassination, it was clearly intimidating to those who were deeply involved. Uh, Rosselli also claimed the CIA hit team had been dispatched to Cuba had been turned and used to kill Kennedy. Well, well that point certainly supports a quote attributed to CIA's David Atlee Phillips. He said, I don't know why he killed Kennedy, but I do know he used precisely the plan we devised against Castro. Well, there's no question he was murdered. They tried to write it off as uh, another determined case of suicide, but cutting off your own legs, getting in a barrel, and I guess rolling yourself into the ocean? I don't think so. The next one on our hit list, Chuck Nicoletti, March 29, 1977. Hitman with the Chicago mob. Cause of death was 338 gunshots to the rear of the head when nobody would buy the suicide theory. It was put down as a mafia retaliation killing. He was the premier mob hitman in the country. He was known to be in Dallas at the time of the Kennedy assassination, named as a shooter by many with inside knowledge. 
and he was known to be unhappy about the recent assassination of Sam the man Jen Connor. He was scheduled to testify before the House uh, Select Committee on Assassination, and it's believed he was killed to stop him from testifying. And it wasn't at all surprising to anybody who knew him that Nicoletti was shot from the back. He was as tough a customer as they come, and if had any glimpse of a threat, the shooter wouldn't have lived to talk about it. And he was the premier hitman in the country in 63 and contracted uh, his work directly through Sam Giancana. So you have to ask yourself, where was he on November 22nd, 1963, when Kennedy was shot? Well, the answer to that question is he was actually in Dallas. In fact, his, what referred to as workbook entry for that date is chilling, stated simply, Dallas, JFK. Well, a number of sources confirmed that he was present in Dealey Plaza when the shirts were fired, and even how he arrived there and departed. The uh, William uh, Dinkbar's book, Files on JFK, and the work of former FBI veteran uh, Jack Shelton document how Chancey Holt drove Nicoletti into Dallas, and how he was taken into it out of Dealey Plaza. The events of November 22nd, 1963 was certainly one of the things that the House Select Committee on Assassination was going to ask Nicoletti about, and that's why he was killed. March 29, 1977 was the day that two key witnesses were killed. Nicoletti was shot three times in the back of the head while he sat in his car. George DeMorne shelled, died from wounds sustained from a shotgun blast to the head on that same day. Apparently Nicoletti was on record as being unhappy about the hit made against his boss, Sam Giancana. So it makes sense that the same parties who silenced Giancana thought it be in their best interest to silence Nicoletti. So the cover story of mob retaliation was put forward, but the real reason was apparently to keep him from testifying. There was no question that it was murder. And there's no question it was a direct result of him being uh, going to testify. Well, George de Shield is a name that has popped up many times in regard to Lee Harvey Oswald. He died March 29, 1977, sometimes known as Baron de Shield. Actually, he was descended from the Baron Hillenfeld, killed by a shotgun blast. Official verdict? Suicide. He was the key link between Oswald and the CIA as well as connecting him to Conservative Texas oil millionaires rumored to be involved in Kennedy assassination. Decades after his death, the story about DeMora Shields is still so explosive that uh, Vincent Bugliosi, author Reclaiming History, ordered the TV camera operators to stop filming the second Jesse Ventura mentioned that DeMora Shields was part of the CIA. You can watch that online, Jesse Ventura versus uh, Vincent Bugliosi. Um, Bukilos is a type of author who can wipe out large portions of our forest with a 1,648-page book on the Kennedy assassination but reached the ridiculous conclusion that Oswald acted alone.
George Morinshield was a sophisticated businessman descended from Russian royalty. It was a CIA asset that they used for various tasks. As Mark Lane put it, he was the babysitter for Lee Harvey Oswald for the CIA. A uh, CIA case officer named J. Walton Moore was apparently DeMore Shields' handler from the CIA. And Jackie Kennedy, wife of JFK, was very close to George DeMore Shields. In fact, she called him Uncle George. CIA business assets operate much the same as their media assets. They provide raw intelligence on matters of interest to the agency. And as DeMore Shields himself put it, the CIA helps him win an oil contract in Turkey. Then later reports back to the CIA about everything he knows about the business people and leaders that he met with while doing business there. George Herbert Bush knew Dornshue well. He was uh, the uncle of Bush's roommate at Andover, and Bush and Dornshue were members of the same clubs in Texas. In fact, Bush's phone number was found in Dornshue's address book. Gaten uh, Fonzie, special investigator for the House Select Committee on Assassination, verified DeMore and Shields' address book contained entries for George H.W. Bush, also for Zapata Petroleum in Midland, Texas. Bush is one of the founders of Zapata, and many FBI and CIA veterans have substantiated Zapata oil helped uh, the CIA for its, uh, in its pro-Castro intelligence operations. And U.S. Army Brigadier General Russell Brown wrote there was a cover-up of uh, Zapata's CIA connections. You know, the, the fascinating thing about the CIA, when you start, they'll be up front and open about anything and everything until you start talking about the Kennedy assassination and suddenly nobody knows nothing. On that note, we come to the end of the day's show. I think we probably have enough additional members of the hit list to do one more segment tomorrow. So until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.